Hello, folks. My name is Rick Pearson. Welcome to Prophecy USA, a program specifically designed to unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. You know, in past lessons, we've spoken about the mysterious hour of judgment and deliverance that will come upon Babylon the Great. On one hand, a tremendous fiery judgment falls on Babylon. And on the other hand, God opens a window of deliverance, allowing the bride of Christ to supernaturally escape that judgment. But before Christ comes as a thief in the night, Jesus himself gave us two warning signs to look for within our culture. So what are the two signs from the past that will preempt his imminent return in the future? Stay tuned, you're about to find out. Welcome back, folks. You know, in our past programs, we've been discussing the seven types of believers that would be found in the last days. Because Babylon the Great is the last kingdom to appear before the new world order begins, and because Scripture tells us that God's people are in Babylon, we can easily surmise that these seven types of believers are also in Babylon. Now, we've also discussed that out of the almost 40 biblical descriptions of Babylon listed so far, the United States of America is the only country in the history of the world who has met those descriptions. However, there's a miraculous one-hour shift that takes place affecting both the nation of Babylon and the believers within her. It's a prophetic hour that waits its appointed time to be filled in Bible prophecy. Now, scripturally, this miraculous event has already been foreshadowed in historical Babylon of 590 BC, when a fourth man suddenly revealed himself and delivered his servants, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from Nebuchadnezzar's burning fiery furnace. Now, while other believers in Babylon had bent their knees to the dark agenda of the Babylonian government, these three men stood up boldly for the word of God. And it was because of their courage to follow the word instead of the herd of Babylonian culture that God found their faith worthy to escape the fiery test that came upon them. That test was imposed by Nebuchadnezzar's laws, which specifically opposed God's first commandment to all men. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, I reiterate a statement preached by a dear friend of mine. Moses did not come down from Mount Horeb with the 10 negotiating points. He came down with the Ten Commandments. God didn't say, let's make a deal. He said, this is the deal. Walk ye therein. However, following the word of God is a personal decision. God has never forced any person to follow his word. Scripture says, choose you this day who you will serve. His blessings and his judgments are totally based upon the free will of man. However, the results of your free will sometimes reap a dramatic consequence. 
Now, we already know from Scripture, both individuals and nations have the ability to form a spiritual covenant with God. We also know that to whom much is given, much is required. So many of the descriptions of Babylon the Great have to do with the benefits reaped from her providential beginnings. By mirroring the laws of God within her government legislature, judicial system, economic policies, the United States of America has reaped the greatest financial blessings of any kingdom in the history of the world. Scripture tells us that God loves everyone, but unfortunately, not everyone loves God. And Jesus qualified how we love him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, although Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God as the Most High God and honored Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after the great deliverance, the next generation of leadership failed to continue that legacy. And we in America can learn great wisdom from the failures of that legacy. Listen to this. From Daniel, a major prophet in Jewish scripture, we have learned that God changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. King Belshazzar and his elite leaders believed in their hearts that Babylon could never fall. It was at the king's palace in the middle of a drunken hedonistic party when Belshazzar decided he would mock the Jewish God and drink wine from the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple in Jerusalem. Suddenly, a figure of a human hand appeared on the wall and began writing in the Hebraic language. Scripture records that the king was shocked and fear overwhelmed him. He called for the leaders of the Babylonian religions, including the enchanters, the astrologers, and the wise men to interpret the writing, but nobody understood what was happening. Finally, Daniel, the Jewish prophet of the Most High God, was called in and immediately interpreted the handwriting on the wall. He spoke to the king and said, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting King Belshazzar. The advancing army entered the city in the darkness of the night beneath the gates of the waterway. Babylon fell in one day without a major battle. Even while they sat in muted silence, spectators of their own defeat, and suddenly it was over exactly as the handwriting on the wall had said. There was a tipping point, however, a specific time and place when God said, enough is enough, and the kingdom that he had prophetically rose up was prophetically laid down. This covenant nation has invoked the blessings of God by acknowledging him in every form of government and social structure. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, through their own free will, the founding fathers openly acknowledged that the Jewish God of Israel as the most high God. But has that legacy continued within the next generation of leaders? Can one generation invoke God's blessing and the next generation through pride, arrogance, and open defiance of scripture provoke God's judgment? From the lessons learned of Nebuchadnezzar and his successor, Belshazzar, it is most certainly possible. According to scripture, it will happen to this lady of kingdoms at some time in her future. But does prophecy give us any warning signs or handwriting on the wall indicating that the scales have tipped within Babylon and judgment is inevitable? The answer to these questions do not lie in the minds of secular humanism, modern science, nor in pagan Babylonian religions. Instead, they lie in the hidden mystery of God's word.
Welcome back, folks. You know, trying to pinpoint an exact timing of the coming hour of Babylon's judgment is absolutely impossible. Even Jesus' own disciples asked that question, and he said, but concerning that day and hour, no man knoweth, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Now, Jesus did say, however, that there would be signs to watch for. And those signs included an increase in knowledge, wars, rumors of wars, and also the nations of Israel and her position in world standing. However, perhaps one of the greatest signs given to us of the coming of the Lord is the revelation of who Babylon the Great is. She's a nation that will precede the last and final new world order. Since our first program in 2019, Prophecy USA has been laughed at by traditional prophecy teachers for our, pre our predictions. But today everyone has come to the realization that the New World Order wants that transition to be no later than their 2030 agenda, just as we forewarned concerning the COVID-19 pandemic and the coming Great Reset. And we learned in the past lessons that before her destruction comes, Babylon will fall into spiritual darkness as stated in 750 BC by Isaiah and John in 85 AD. But what will be the evidence of that darkness and how will it affect her society? In Romans 1, we've talked about the effects of darkness in a culture and that it creates a reprobate mind that provokes God's wrath against that culture. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The Greek word used here for darkened is skotizo, means to be unable to understand the truth. Romans 1.24 says, Wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. When children are raised thinking they come from monkeys, is it any wonder they grow up to literally act like animals with an attitude of survival of the fittest resulting in school shootings, moral degradations, and a reprobate groupthink society that has totally lost its Judeo-Christian moral compass? So today we even have a subculture of children and adults believing that they have animal spirits, identifying themselves as transhuman, other kins, or the cultural trend known as furries. Now, Romans says, for this cause, God gave them unto vile affections, for even the women did change the natural use of that which is against nature. That word vile means a state of dishonor or disrespect. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one, to one, one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. The Dictionary of Bible Languages defines lust as having a strong desire or to be inflamed with lust. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Of course, we know that the word reprobate 
means a person who believes in a morally wrong way, being filled with fornication, unrighteousness, backbiters. There's all kinds of descriptions of a reprobate mind. And this passage mentions 23 groupthink character traits to look for in a society that the wrath or the judgment of God is revealed against. Isaiah explained it by saying good becomes evil and evil becomes good. A society who has a total disregard for God's moral protocol. The culture literally becomes unhinged. Let's look at what the Bible says concerning one of the most controversial issues that face us today. Traditional marriage versus gay marriage. Traditional Judeo-Christian conservatives gather most of their thinking on the issue from Jesus' teaching. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Now, Paul addressed the issue of men and women and their roles in society in Romans 1. However, he also discusses darkness that comes upon society. Remember also that before Babylon the Great is judged, Isaiah prophesied that she would be driven into darkness. Romans 1 says their foolish hearts were darkened. For this cause God gave them unto vile affections. The women changed the natural use of their body, and the men left the natural use of the woman and burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now concerning the signs of his coming, Jesus said to his disciples, But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Jesus' brother, the Apostle Jude, traveled with Jesus throughout his ministry and also wrote concerning the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains of darkness under the judgment of the great day. For even Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set for an example. But what example is Jude and Jesus talking about? Genesis 19 describes the destruction of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, which most theologians place at the southern end of the Dead Sea at the time of Abraham. However, the night before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by fire, Abraham's nephew Lot was visited by two angels who came to his house and warned him of the coming judgment. But before the angels lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded Lot's house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them. Now, this word no is the Hebrew word yada. It does not mean to greet the angels. It's the same Hebrew word when Adam knew Eve and she conceived. In other words, 
It's the Hebrew word meaning carnal knowledge or sexual intercourse. The sodomites of the city tried to force their sexuality on those who did not want it, demanding Lot to hand over their newly appointed guest. Now, Scripture tells us that Lot said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them to you and do to them as you please. But the men of Sodom responded to Lot, complaining that Lot was judging them. This fellow came to sojourn or live in our city, and he has become the judge? Now, we will deal worse with you, Lot, than with the angels. And then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near the door to break it down. But the angels reached out their hands, brought Lot into the house, and the door shut behind them. And they, the angels, struck with blindness the men of Sodom, who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Now notice in verse 9, the Sodomites said to Lot, you came here to dwell with us, but now you are judging us. Because Lot and the angels did not want to participate in the acts of fornication does not mean that they were, by the terminology so commonly used today, homophobic. Think about this. According to the Bible, it appears that the last thing God showcased as an example or sign before Sodom and Gomorrah's judgment was a parade of men who marched down the street accusing Lot of judging them for their lifestyle and at the same time trying to force others to join them in their sexual activities. But we see that the next morning the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor and then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and the valley and all the inhabitants. Now it's absolutely stunning that Isaiah and Jeremiah prophesied a hundred years apart from each other. That the one hour of fiery judgment coming to Babylon the Great will re be a repeat performance as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. But how does Sodom and Gomorrah tie into the days of Noah as an example? Every generation has married and been given in marriage for thousands of years. So what exactly is the link between these two civilizations that were literally 400 years apart from each other? In Noah's day, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and those who mocked Noah continually for 120 years were drowned in that flood, except, of course, for Noah and his family. But after the flood, God spoke to Noah and gave him a sign for all future generations. I have set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Now, however, many days after receiving that rainbow covenant, Noah became a man of the soil, and one night he drank too much wine. And Noah became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment 
and laid it on their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. However, Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him and said, Cursed be Canaan. So why was Noah so angry that he would curse his youngest grandson, Canaan? And what did it mean when it said that Canaan's father, Ham, found Noah uncovered? You know, the theological workbook of the Old Testament explains that the Hebrew word uncovered in this verse is the word gala. It occurs 24 times in Leviticus 18 and 20, which denotes sexual intercourse, referring specifically to incest. So in Noah's day, the first action to oppose God's man of the rainbow covenant was a forced and sensuous act, yada, to sexually violate Noah. Now, historically, Canaan's descendants moved to the land of Canaan, where the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah eventually emerged 350 years after the flood. And we just learned that the night before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, the men of Sodom militantly marched down the street demanding to know or sexually violate the angel visitors. These divine messengers delivered the word to Lot and through revelation knowledge made known to him Sodom's imminent destruction. From a historical Babylon, Ezekiel said, this was the iniquity of Sodom. They were full of pride. They had excess food and prosperity, yet refused to help the poor or needy. They were haughty. They committed abominations before me. Has our progressive liberal culture progressed our society or have they regressed us back to Sodom and the days of Noah? Jeremiah prophesied to Babylon the Great, saying, Surely I will fill you with men as locusts, and they shall raise up a shout of victory over you. In historical Babylon, Ezekiel was told, When I tell sinful people they will die, you must warn them to turn them from their sinful ways. But if you refuse to warn them, then you're responsible for their death. Now that's being paraphrased. But if you warn them and they keep sinning, they will, they will die because of their sins, but you will be innocent. Now Jesus taught his disciples, judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. However, the spiritual principle is applicable to everyone, not just believers. The wrath poured out on Sodom was a direct result of the hostile, militant actions the men of Sodom directed towards those who came to warn them. You know, it appears that God's judgment was provoked more by the militant actions the Sodomites projected towards others who thought differently than them rather than by the biblical sins that they were guilty of. After years of trying, on January 7, 2022, the Canadian government passed Bill C-4 banning conversion therapy in Canada. Now, conversion therapy is defined as a practice 
or a treatment or a service designed to change a person's sexual orientation or change their gender identity or change their gender expression or repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction, attraction or sexual behavior or to reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to them to the person at birth. It's an indictable offense and is punishable by up to five years imprisonment. Recently in Canada, protests have arisen by some concerned parents who do not want men dressed like women, in other words, drag queens, presenting drag queen events targeting children as young as three to eight years old in public places like schools and libraries. You know, Daniel warned us that a one world dictator would someday rise and defile God. He would defy the Bible and all Judeo-Christian moral protocol. But how will he rise? He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand. Are these events setting the stage for Joel's prophecies concerning this one world government who will have cast lots for my people and given a boy for a harlot. You know, make no mistake, multiple verses and whole chapters in scripture specifically warn us that sins including fornication and adultery and incest and all sexual sins committed outside the bounds of holy matrimony between a man and a woman is a sin. And those actions continued over a lifetime will have eternal consequences unless you seek the forgiveness of Christ and walk in his statutes. But today, in our current progressive culture, should anyone voice any disagreement to the sexual promiscuity in our society, they are met with vile hostility and name-calling. The question is, where is the tipping point where the 23 description in Romans are so provocative in our culture that it releases the wrath of God's judgment on Babylon the Great. You know, he still watches over his word to perform it. And if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We are called not to judge others, but to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Examine yourselves, says the Bible, to see whether you are in the faith. Prove your own selves how that Jesus is in you. But if you find yourself in a lifestyle participating in darkness, heed the warning that Jesus admonished to those in Revelation. Come out of her, my people. Partake not in her sins, neither in, your, in her plagues. And pray that you might be worthy to escape the hour of of tribulation that is soon to come upon the whole earth. You know, our team at Prophecy USA have no desire to judge, to condemn, or point fingers at any particular group of individuals. Jesus tells us to love one another, to pray for one another, and to help everyone come to repentance. But it also is our mandate to repeat the warnings of Jesus. If our society duplicates the sins of Sodom, as in the days of Noah, 
the return of Jesus could be imminent and immediately following his brief appearance will come a seven-year tribulation period by a dystopian dictatorship governments, the likes of which mankind has never experienced. But we're out of time, folks. My name is Rick Pearson. We're praying for you. We're believing for you. And we're letting you know that Jesus is alive and he's coming back much sooner than many people realize. See you next week on Prophecy USA. Shalom. Thank you.